Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Matt, and this is a little bit of a different episode. This week, well, what we normally do is we have the whole pastoral staff here. So I am here with Pastor Bonnie, but this week we have um, Stephanie Huff, um, Phyllis Fletcher, and Heather Philhauer here for a special Mother's Day podcast. And um, if you're not aware, I'm not a mom. I'm not a mother at all. And I feel a little strange. So I'm just asking questions. We want to hear from all the moms here. So uh, this will be, this is really exciting. So I just wanted to start with this. This is maybe a little bit more of a fun question here from you guys, uh, kind of get us talking here. But in what ways do you see yourself being like your own mom? Maybe some quirks, something funny or silly your mom used to do or say, is there any ways that you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm like how my mom used to be. What are some of those things that you've noticed? Well, since my mother's here, (laughs) (laughs) um, I can say that my children tell me from time to time, you're just like granny. Why are you doing that? Like when I randomly dance through the house for no reason or make up weird songs when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing or, um, you know, just those humory things that she used to do with us that are ingrained in me and I just can, can't help myself but do to embarrass my children. <laughs> yeah, just like your mom, okay. <laughs> nice. Speaking of the same, uh, kind of along the same lines, my mom used to sing all the time and I'd get so embarrassed as a young person in the car, if I, especially if I was in the car with a friend of mine and she'd just start singing at random and I'd just kind of look at my friend, you know, and act like that was really terrible. When meanwhile, I sang all the time as well, but you know, so I definitely have do that like my mom does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, I would have to say um, a couple of things, a couple of funny things. Um, first, that my mom was not Boo Boo the Fool, which means I am not Boo Boo the Fool myself. Mm-hmm. My mama didn't have McDonald's money, and I don't have McDonald's money. My mother was very witty. I am the comeback kid, okay? I have waited all my life to just be witty with my children and to be funny. But um, on a more personal note, like my mom was a maker. Um, Anything she put her hands to, anything that she could see, she did it. And I am also a maker through and through. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Something how how, uh, she's influenced you in that way or you've taken that on like that. I don't think this is a funny thing, however, my mom had a very strong personality and to truth be told I know I have a strong personality and so growing up like we would you know go back and forth a lot because we were both I was more like her than uh, probably I would I would definitely admit back then but it's probably true um, fun fact Todd did call me a couple times Sheila and that didn't go over great at the moment, but he was probably right. So I'm just gonna leave that right there. Uh-oh, okay. So marriage tips, I mean, this is more Mother's Day podcast, but I feel mm. like if we were talking marriage stuff, you'd probably not recommend that. Is that what you're saying? 
I did say he only did it a couple times. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked but, <laughs> but he did make his point. So I guess it was a positive too. <laughs> Okay. Well, cool. This is so actually, this is a good, let's segue to this question. And actually I didn't come up with all these. So, you know, I, I reached out, got some help because like I said, I, I, I want to make sure I was asking the right questions, but here's one. So how about this? When you were younger, were you kind of the mom of maybe your group, your friend group or your siblings or whatever? And so did it seem kind of natural to become a mom? Or was that a really a big transition to become a mom? I, I what would tell, you say about that? I tell people all the time, like strangers that I meet even, that I feel like I've been in charge of somebody since I was 10. Because when I was 10, I'm the oldest of five. And when I was nine and then 10, my two youngest brothers were born. So they're nine and 10 years apart from me. And I was like a second mom to them. Um, so definitely, I, I felt like I've always kind of been a mom however when Bonnie was born and I brought her home from the hospital uh, my initial thought was that I wish every teenager could know how much is involved in taking care of a child and they would never ever talk back to their parents yeah yeah right so it's still it's still a huge adjustment yes yeah but okay, that's interesting. What about you guys? I didn't feel like like I was a mom in my group, but I always wanted to be a mom. But I okay. didn't feel like I was the mom. Um, but I do think it was a huge adjustment because all of a sudden, you know, you're in the hospital, they give you this little baby who is 100% dependent on you. And I remember thinking in the hospital, like, what? not what have we done, but like, you know, my Elizabeth cried the whole first night unless you held her like a little football. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like I don't know what to do with this little person. So it was a huge change from being responsible for myself, you know, and Todd in some ways to being responsible for a little person who totally depends on you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Right, you move out, you get married, you're responsible for yourself now. Now, uh, a, another person, a human being, 100% dependent. How about you guys, Bonnie and Phyllis? Yeah, I was, uh, well, when I was little, I mean, I had, you know, my dolls and stuff, and I'd play mommy, and, you know, I'd always, you know, wanted kids when I was little, and um, I was kind of like the... I guess you could say like mom of the neighborhood or my friends, like I was the event coordinator, you know, <laughs> and I would like tell my friends, Hey, come on, this is what we're going to do today. And by the time I got all the details worked out, they were bored and they went off to do something else. But, you know, um, pretty much like, you know, my life now I coordinate details and my kids are like, yes, let's do this. So I coordinate everything. And by the time I get it all ready, I'm like, okay, like guys, let's do it. And they're off to something else. So um, that was similar, but, um, and I worked in daycare and, stuff when I was a teenager and so and babysat a lot and so I was like you know when I when I was getting ready to have or when I you know was preparing to have Leah I was like oh I got this in the bag I've been doing daycare and and you know babysitting all my life and you know it's it's all good but let me tell you when it's your own 
and you can't give them back. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and you have them 24 seven. It's a whole nother story. <laughs> Definitely. Um, for me, um, kind of like Heather, I've, since I was younger, I've always been around kids. I am actually the middle out of seven kids. Uh, my mother is the middle out of seven kids and my father is a baby out of six, I believe. So I've always been around babies, kids, tons of them everywhere. Um, so for me, it wasn't like I thought of myself as being a mother. Most of the things just kind of came like second nature. All right, well, if this is what happens, all right, then you do this and you do that and you do that. I just figured that was a part of life. Um, but there are some things that um, you don't necessarily step into once you have your own child because it's a completely different element. Your mindset is in a completely different space. Like Bonnie said, you can't give them back. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Wow. Okay. They're yours 24 seven for life. Right. Even, in, even when they're teenagers and you know, you can release them a little bit. You're still on call 24 seven. Like you're, you're never off duty, even when they're, well, I imagine even when they're adults, even when they're adults, you're I'm still on sure. call 24 seven. Absolutely. <laughs> See, now that's how I, this is good notes for me. Cause I don't have any kids right now, but I, have felt like once you become a parent, you know, that's it. You're a parent forever. I was talking to Joe, uh, Bonnie, you know, your husband, he yeah. was like, well, if you think about it, your kids are, they're just kids for that small fraction. And then, and then they grow up, they're not in your life the same way. And I'm like, you're right. But I'm like, I, like you're saying how you're always on call, you know, even when they're adults, that's how I have felt like, dude, once you're a parent, that's it. You know, you're a parent and, and that's great. That's awesome. It's exciting. So, <clears throat> Yeah. Well, some of the questions that we came up with too have to do with kind of a little bit from Pastor Jeff's sermon and same thing. Want to run by you guys? Have you guys talk about what you think? Um, Pastor Jeff talked about um, he called her Mrs. Zebedee, but the mother of James and John. She asks Jesus, and a lot of times she gets a bad rap when we preach about her because she came to Jesus and maybe she didn't see the full picture and you know, the whole thing, but. I think he did a great job of talking about how really it was a mother's heart looking out for her kids and his points were that she wanted her sons to be part of the kingdom, to be actively involved in the kingdom. And she had high expectations like any, any mom, any Christian mom would want. And so, um, you know, just kind of some mom questions, I guess, for you guys. Uh, and actually maybe we could, we can even say this. I asked, we asked my mother-in-law this too. What's, um, maybe we could say this. What's, what's the hardest part about being a mom? But maybe you can also balance it too. What's, or, or what's one of the hardest things and what's maybe one of the best things about being a mom too? What are some of the hardest things and what are some of the best things? I think what's neat is we all have children at different stages. Yeah. I have two teenagers. Heather has two grown children. Mm -hmm. um, Bonnie's teenager elementary and Phyllis is three, well, two elementary and pre-K. Um, so I think that what is hard changes depending on the stage. Mm -hmm. The early years are exhausting. You know, it's like you don't have a second um, to yourself. And then 
Um, but now, like two teenagers, I think the hardest part now is I can't fix the things that I used to be able to fix for them. You know, like I have to, you know, help them navigate things more, but I can't um, do the things for them to make a situation better that I could when they were little. Mm. So I, and I think that's challenging because, you know, I, I want to do more than I can when they're a teenager. So. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's really true. Uh, what else do you guys think? I think that carries through with, you know, right into having adult children is that you, I think, I think the, one of the hardest things to me is watching your children, no matter what age they are, do things that you know are going to be mistakes, but you have to let them do it to figure out themselves because if you do everything for them and fix everything for them or try to fix everything for them, number one, you're not going to succeed. And number two, uh, they're never going to learn how to, like Stephanie said, how to navigate those things for themselves. And I think, yeah. I, I think on the flip side, for me, the best, one of the best things is watching them kind of get that light bulb moment or watching them succeed in things that, or, 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 or having them finally come back and say, you do know something <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I, I know, uh, yeah, my parents have said the same thing. I remember they said I was the oldest, so, you know, like the first child for them. And that's what they said entering middle school, high school, like that was so tough. We just wanted to fix things for you, you know, stuff at school problems you had and it's like we you just kind of had to we couldn't you know mm -hmm. and it was tough yeah definitely watching your kids struggles is hard um and like i said before just the fact that you are on call 24 7 like there's never there's never a time when you're not on or you don't have to be on you know even in the middle of the night when they you know, come into your room at 3 a.m. and they've, you know, trail have a trail of, you know, puke chunks behind them and you have to <laughs> navigate through. Them. But I mean, you know, you just come up with a system and, and you go for it and you, you walk through it. Um, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely just all the emotions and the, uh, just this, uh, just just the new way of thinking. You know, your 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 brain. Once you once that once that child is born, it's like all of a sudden, who who you were is is completely like phased out, and it's like, all right, who who am I now? Like because you just you just have this life that's constantly dependent on you, and it's and it's like you look at yourself and it's like, I mean, you do things and you go through the motions and you do it because it's life and you, you know, you move forward, but then you, you stop and think like, Oh my gosh, like who am I now? Cause these, this like instinct and stuff just takes over. It's, it's, it's amazing, but it's also crazy. That's kind of funny uh, that you said that Bonnie, cause that's along the lines of what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. um, for me, um, the hardest part about being a mom is everything yeah is being a mom Amen. um being the constant mm. 
because with my kids being pre-K and early elementary, um, things for me are a lot different. Things are more concentrated. Um, my kids' love can be overwhelming at times because I'm there. I'm on the front line um, with them. Um, I would say kind of think of it on the lines of like when you first get pregnant, your body goes through multiple changes. You've got three trimesters of your body going through crazy changes, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Then after you have a kid, it's a whole nother three trimesters of your body, your mental state, everything going through all of these different changes. You know, you have to figure out who you are, not just, you know, as yourself, but who you are as a mom, having to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to parent? How am I going to be the constant that they need? Um, figuring out discipline, this or that, and trying to um, guard yourself from the other older, more experienced mothers who like to prey on new mothers mm -hmm. to give them all of the advice because their way is the best way <laughs> and you're new at this, so you don't know what you're doing, but you have to navigate that to try to make sure that, you know, you're advocating for yourself as well as for your children. But mm -hmm. what also goes along with that is that uh, more often than not, new moms struggle with postpartum mm -hmm. and they're not talking about it. Mm -hmm. It's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to talk about it, to get support, to get the help that they need. Because if you're not taking care of yourself as a mom, it deters, you know, the way that you take care of your kids. You have mm -hmm. to be a good example, but you can't be a good example when you constantly feel like you're broken mm -hmm. or that there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I said, everything is hard. Mm -hmm. This is just, you know, public service announcement. Anybody <laughs> listening that is struggling, mm -hmm. you know, you know, somebody's struggling with postpartum, new mom, whether it's your first kid, your second kid, your 32nd kid, mm -hmm. postpartum doesn't care who you are, which kid, you know, it is. That's right. You need some help. Mm -hmm. Get help. Seek counsel. Mm -hmm. that was my spiel but you know amen you know amen. but being a mom everything is hard because I am a constant there is mm. no break for me mm -hmm. my yeah. children touch me from the time that I go to sleep because <laughs> one to two have tried to jump in my bed at night and they touch me all throughout the day I am <laughs> their everything and so it's exhausting but I love it. Without mm. sacrifice, there is no gain. Mm. And just the one of the best parts about it. Sorry for rambling. Sorry for taking up a, a, a chunk of You're time. You're good. We want, no. we want to hear but from you. There, for me, one of the best parts is their unconditional love mm. that they have for me. The way that they see me. When I see how they view me. Um, it's just crazy because you don't always think of yourself as the best. You always feel like you're flubbing at something. Mm -hmm. But 
for example, for example, if like we've had a really, really rough day, people weren't listening, people weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, mom had to yell, uh, mom had to discipline, whatever the case may be, at the end of the night, me and my children, we always sit and reflect on the day. Mm. For me, just talking to my kid, hey guys, today was a pretty rough day for mom. Because for them, they don't, they don't think anything past five minutes of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like, guys, mom had a really rough day. We talk it, uh, we talk about it. They pray for me. They pray Mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. We pray together, but we also, you know, tell God what we are thankful for. And in Mm -hmm. them telling God what they're thankful for um, and during their bedtime routine, it's actually kind of funny how some of the moments that I thought were horrible that Mm. I completely, you know, completely ruined everything Mm. was one of the moments that they loved because they saw it in a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, when you see your reflection in your children of something that they've done or said, it kind of gives you that, that moment of realization of, huh, maybe I'm not doing this parenting thing wrong. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just a little bit of my take. Yeah, yeah two, two things you said. Uh, two things you said were what, uh, what the same thing I was thinking too, Phyllis. About the hardest part. One of the hardest parts is discipline, for sure, for sure. And every stage and age has its own unique challenges, and um, you know, trying to figure out what is right for each individual child. Um, but then one of the best things is like you were saying, seeing, seeing yourself reflected in your children. Um, I think that's one of the coolest things like at any age and stage when, you know, you see them, it, it's cool. It's funny. It's, it's touching. It, it can be a bunch of like when they're little and you catch them, you know, saying things that you realize like, Oh my gosh, I say that all the time. Like when mm-hmm. Leah was a, a, a pre-K or she would, she would put head, a headset on and she would hold the game controller while she was watching a video on Xbox or whatever. And she'd just go, yeah, bro. Yeah, 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 bro. Yeah, bro. Cause that's what, cause that's what Joe would be saying when he was playing his games, you know? Um, that's great. But then as they get older too, like, you know, you just see them, you know, thinking the same way you're thinking or doing the same thing. So it's, it's awesome. And at the same time, it makes you pause. Cause you're like, Ooh, like, they're watching what I'm doing. They're emulating what I'm doing. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing so that what they're emulating is, is what I want them to be emulating, what, what a Christ-like character should be, you know, that we're trying to train up our children in the ways of the Lord, you know. And Absolutely. We're never perfect, but it's, it's good to, to reflect on those things. And, you know, you can always go back and try to mend those moments that, of mistakes and, and that's awesome. Like praying through it, like you were saying, Phyllis, you know, cause you know, prayer and, and, and love covers over a multitude of things. So, yep. I got to uh, jump out in a couple minutes. So I just wanted to say something real quick that has to do with mistakes and learning and so on and so forth. Um, we're, you know, nobody knows there's no manual for parenting. I mean, there's books about it, but it's like anything else. You can read a book, but until you're actually on the job, you can't, um, you can't know what you're facing. Plus, every kid has their own personality. But just real quick, I remember when um, 
Bonnie and Joe got engaged and um, they had in mind that they were going to get married like at the end of her junior year. And so we basically brought them into the room, her room and sat them down and we're like, first of all, this is our first time raising a college age student. <laughs> Not forget that, but even one that's now engaged. And so we don't know what to do any more than you know what to do. But what we do know is that if this is what you're planning, we need to see a budget of how you're going to live. And when they sat down and tried to figure out a budget, they realized that that was not going to work. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you, we don't, we as, like Bonnie said, we don't have all the answers. And when you do make a mistake, let your kids know you made a mistake. You know, be honest with your kids and tell them that you made a mistake, that you're not perfect, that you're doing this for the first time. And, you know. I think it's important if we want our kids to say we're sorry, we need to be willing to say we're sorry. Yes. Yes. You know, when we do the wow, wrong. Yeah. And I tell my, even my students at school, I tell them when I made a mistake and I say, see, everybody makes mistakes. Your mommies, your daddies, Mrs. Huff. Yes. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's really All good. Right. I got to jump out guys. It was awesome talking to everybody. Bye. Heather. All right. Thanks for joining us. Bye, yeah. Well, um, I, I have a, um, the best thing about being a parent. Um, yeah. I think the best thing is I love my kids like I don't, like I love nobody else. Like it's different. And I can't tell you, um, I can't tell you what it is, but I really do love them in a way I don't love anyone else. And I actually, um, I remember shortly after Elizabeth was born, I had this aha moment with God where, um, you know, I realized that I realized the depth of God's love for me when I, when I could appreciate my love for her. Um, and, you know, the, within those moments of like understanding the depth of God's love is I would I would never sacrifice my kids for anyone, you know, like, but yet that's what God did. He sacrificed his son. But I, I just, um, I, I couldn't do that, you know? And so I, it's this a love of a magnitude and a way that I really can't express, but it is the best thing about being a mom. Yeah, that's cool. And I mean, even, I mean, <clears throat> the love that God has for us, I think too, that he, we're his children when we place faith in Jesus, we're adopted in. But so like you're saying that love that you have as a mom, I say this, again, I don't have any kids, but I felt like when I got married, I understood my own relationship with God in a totally new way, you know? And then I feel like the same thing will happen when I have kids is like, and that's, I feel like what you're describing is, it, it's kind of indescribable, but the way that you, love your kids, you know, yeah. illustrates that. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's another thing about being a mom that's, that's hard and good um, is the relationship with your spouse and how that changes um, and how that takes an adjustment sometimes because, you know, for a while your spouse is the only center of your world. But as moms, we all know when we have kids, that's it. Those kids, 
that's a whole different love. It's not, it's not a love that you have for your spouse where, you know, you love them, but then some days it's a choice to love them. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe when, you know, for kids and as a mom too, yes, some days, you know, when they really get on your nerves, you have to choose to love them, but there's, but there's something deeper. Um, that's just this love that this bond, um, that can't be broken, that can last through everything. And um, sometimes it's an adjustment for your spouse, I think, um, you know, because as moms, this, these emotions just flood us and this love just floods us. And all we want to do is care for our children. And now your spouse is over there thinking, wait, what about me? Like, am I chop suey now? <laughs> so you have to learn how to, you know, reinvent those relationships and, and kind of navigate through those things sometimes too, you know. Yeah, and I didn't have a question because I didn't know how to exactly word it, but you kind of mentioned it earlier, Pastor Bonnie, and kind of touched on it now, like how your identity even shifts. Mm -hmm. And and I think, Phyllis, you kind of said it too, like it just changes and you were saying like, who am I? And you're trying to figure out how am I going to be a parent? Like, I didn't know how to ask you a question on that, but maybe you could speak a little bit to that, or you have been anyway, but like, I mean, it's almost like, I think about it again, and my own experience would just be being a spouse. Like part of my identity is now that I'm a husband, I'm a spouse and everything. But like, is that my entire identity? Should it be my entire identity? So I just would apply that to mom, like to motherhood. Can it be the, your only identity? Is that the way you should see yourself? Or I don't know, I, you know, so. I don't think it can be your only identity, but I think it it comes to the forefront, particularly when your kids are younger, you know, and school age, um, even teenagers, because, um, you know, I, I think self-care is important for, you know, moms, but your kids are always at the top, you know, because they need you and um, they can't do a lot of things without you, especially when they're younger. But even as teenagers, like they can't go they can't get to band practice without you. They can't get to here or there. They they just need you in a different way. And so your um, your life before kids is very different than your life after kids because it's no longer figuring out um, what you want, what your spouse wants, and coming to terms with that. But it is some someone else comes to the forefront. Um, well, an yeah. analogy that runs around in my brain um, is kind of how you have like the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, you have the wife, you have the mom, and you have the self. Mm. So for me, that's just how I view it. It's not a, a, an all one thing. You are, your identity isn't just being a mom, your identity isn't just being a wife, your identity isn't just being you. Like you have different aspects of your life that you have to step into a different role in that moment. And if you were only focused on one of those aspects, you lose out and you can lose yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen, going with that analogy too, <clears throat> from my time in youth ministry, I've seen mothers who, 
we're talking about that could become your entire identity, but I've seen other moms who didn't really want that to be part of their identity. So mm-hmm. they lived as if they didn't really have any kids. They mm-hmm. were still living the way they used to before kids. And I felt like their kids paid for that. Yeah. And I saw that too. So that's a really um, helpful analogy that you bring up Phyllis. So yeah. there is a balance that has to happen, Absolutely. you know, because like when Bonnie said before about in the middle of the night, when your child has come into your <laughs> room, followed by uh, Trail of puke. illness, um, <laughs> then your need for a good night's sleep has just been circumvented by their need for uh, you to take care of them. Yes. Right. And Daniel, Daniel did throw up in my hair one time in the middle of the night. I'm just going to put that out there. So it happens. Moms, I mean, people who are going to become parents need to know this stuff. Nobody told me that before, but it happened. Yes. Yes. Naomi, um, when she got food poisoning, um, she actually was, laying in my bed after she had quietly threw up on herself she came and got in my bed um rubbed all on me snuggled all on me and then as she was about to puke in my face and all over my pillow um i know all of this because i have insomnia so most nights i don't sleep anyway Mm. um and they always catch me at that moment where i'm just about to Mm. actually fall asleep and so I'm hearing, you know, the the gurgitations of like her stomach, and I, I I'm like smelling like puke, and I'm like, what is going on? And I jumped up and I like grabbed her mouth, and she was puking. I'm like, she puked into the cup of my hand, and I'm like running to the bathroom, and my husband wakes up, and he's like, wait, what just happened? I was like, she was throwing up. Mm. She's like, man, your mommy's senses are crazy. I'm like, mm. it happens. But then, you know, you still have to get up. And it's like, all right. So you clean up the kid. This is, you know, being the Holy Spirit part. You come alongside this kid as the comforter, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean, Matt, you got to decide which parent... <laughs> is going to stay with the kid and which parent is going to clean up the puke you need to have a puke you gotta plan have a plan and a system in place ahead of time you have to be prepared for battle yes in every situation you got to talk like, these things out i feel like pastor matt was not prepared for this but like <laughs> this is this is real i mean any parent listening right now is gonna say yes like yes. i totally amen yes. like bodily fluids weird. happen Yep. And, and uh, somebody should uh, probably warn my parents because I think they normally listen to this during their dinner on Monday night. So they might want to wait until <laughs> <after> eating. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say about uh, when you were talking about identity, you know, as a mom and identity, you know, sometimes you can lose your identity or, you know, how you guys were saying it's, you know, it can go one of two ways. You can, you can invest your entire identity in your children. So then when they leave the home, it's like, okay, what do I do now? And you feel so empty because you've just poured your entire self into who they are or the opposite is true. Like you were saying, Pastor Matt, you know, where you're just completely disassociating with, with your children and with being a mother. But, um, but I also think, you know, sometimes it's, it's easy for anybody in any situation, in any high stress, um, 
situation in any high stress job in any high stress position, whether it be motherhood, whether it be, you know, in the workplace or what have you, um, that it's important to remember who who you are in Christ and and how you are grounded in Him and first and foremost, you know, putting your identity in Christ because, um, and just remembering who you are in him and, and who he, who he made you to be and, and remembering, you know, those, your, your moment of salvation when, when, um, you know, he, you realize that he, um, has saved you and, and look back on the times when he's changed you and molded you and made you because, you know, in the moments, you know, when it's, when you're just, you know, at that three o'clock hour, um, it's so easy to just forget um, who you are in Christ. It's so easy to forget your patience. Uh, it's so easy to forget your love. Uh, it's so easy to forget and lose your joy. And, you know, just all those things that, that we have in Christ and all those things we are in Christ, um, you know, that's part of self-care. That's the utmost part of self-care is maintaining your spiritual walk through any course, but especially through motherhood. That's really good. And I can, I feel like in some way I can relate to that because when it comes to ministry, I feel like that's what we talk about as mm-hmm. pastors is you can approach the Bible like it's a textbook. I'm just getting my next sermon. My identity is to tell people about God and right. tell them what to do and yeah, preach and stuff. And then you can forget about your own walk with God if you're not careful. And right, my identity first is as a child of God that Jesus saved me. And that's important. And, and even like you said earlier, Stephanie, how, if I want my kids to say, I'm sorry, I need to be willing to say that. And so if I want my kids to walk with the Lord, like, and like you were saying, Phyllis and Bonnie, yeah, mm-hmm. self-care, am I walking with the Lord? If I can model that mm-hmm. for them. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely. So then here's a question I had um, for you guys, maybe just here, what would be your advice for somebody, you know, Pastor Jeff's sermon yesterday, he said, uh, Mrs. Zebedee wanted, just wanted her sons to be part of the kingdom. Mm. And that's so special when your kids are part of God's kingdom, they have a walk with the Lord. But, you know, for moms or parents who may be listening now that, that they don't feel that's the case for their kids and it can be disheartening or discouraging, what would be your thoughts? And I know your kids are all at different places, but what would you have to say as parents for somebody who's maybe their kids aren't walking in the faith right now? What would you say to them? Um, just for me, like my take is, um, it's kind of like, if you have a wayward child, I would advise you to, um, first of all, pray, definitely pray, ask God to guide your steps on how to deal with your child or loved one. Um, ask God to give you what to say, um, what to do. Because there are times to be gentle, there are times to be stern, and sometimes there are times to just let them go like the prodigal son. Um, You have to give them over to God and pray that God reveals himself to them so that they can have that personal encounter and it be real for them. Because no matter how badly we want something for somebody, if they don't want it, we can't force it. We can't force them to, to take of that. My dad always said, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. 
So in everything, prayer, prayer and petition, asking God for guidance, um, getting uh, support from others who have been in this similar situation, you know, uh, reach out to your pastor, reach out, you know, to pastor's wives, ask, hey, has anybody dealt with this? I need somebody to come alongside with me and walk me through this instead of just, you know, trying to take charge and do it all on your own. I mean, it's, it's a very touchy thing and you don't want to um, push them farther away by trying to smother them. Yeah. Yeah. I can't uh, underscore prayer enough. Um, and the one other idea in prayer that I often pray for people that I love, um, uh, as far as coming to know the Lord, is that God would bring other believers into their path, you know, that could be an influence to them in a way that I, in my relationship with those people, can't be. So for a parent, um, I think that's a beautiful prayer to pray, you know, to ask the Lord to bring other um, Christians into your children's lives that could be an influence in a way that they might not hear it from you, but they would be open to hear it from a friend or, or um, someone else that they know in life. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a temptation to want to, as a parent of any state, age and stage, you know, we want to intervene. We want to do it for them. We want to, you know, we want to just put in them everything that we want in them and, and, you know, but they're not, they're not a Build-A-Bear. We can't just stuff them with everything we want and tie them up and send them off. And <laughs> it's not like that. Um, you know, so prayer, 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 absolutely prayer. And, and, you know, if, if you feel called to action, the best thing I could say to do, you know, besides, um, the prayer is the first and utmost is um, one of my favorite quotes that I that I lean on a lot actually from um, you know the quote from Francis Assisi he says uh, preach the gospel and when necessary use words so prayer and then just making sure that your life is modeling what you want for your children because what they see is ultimately what they will hopefully model um, if you're preaching something to your children that you're not modeling and living out themselves and they're already, you know, straying away, um, they're not going to follow it unless you're following it yourself. So it's got to be first and foremost, you know, a heart issue on your part. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some awesome thoughts. And uh, Heather has just joined us again. Hey, I, got, I, got, I got 15 minutes in between meetings. So I figured I'd come back and see if you were still on. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're still on. So those are some really great thoughts that you guys uh, just shared. I, you know, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, here's, I guess there's really two, two bigger questions I still wanted to get to with you guys. So the first would be this. You, I feel like you talked about it. And, uh, you know, when it comes to practical, having a puke plan, that's good. <laughs> but here's what I wanted to ask. Uh, based on your experience, what are some of the best ways that your spouse can support you? I'm asking for a friend. So. Mm. <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll just say that um, I nursed both of my children, so I trained them 
early on to call their fathers in the middle of the night once I was done nursing because I figured I had been the had had to be the one that got up all the time in the middle of the night because he couldn't feed them so after that it was his it was his job so and he and he rose to the occasion yep that's right okay cool yeah yeah I'm gonna say do chores before you're asked to do them I mean, you will score. I mean, when you do something that your, you know, wife has that Rebecca, you know, that Rebecca asks for you to do, then you get, you know, like two points because yes, thank you, you did what I asked you to do. But when you do things before you're asked, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's gold. Like, and and you get even more points if after you finish doing it, you don't have to announce it. Yes, and you don't right? need, the, and you don't need the glory. I will just say here, here's why sometimes it's announced is because if it's not noticed, <laughs> did you get any points? Right. We noticed. Oh, oh, believe me, we noticed. Does it count? So sometimes I just, you know, did you but, notice it but, was taken care of? But does your this friend was... notice when we do it? Mm. <laughs> right. does your friend. Does your friend announce? Hey, babe. You wash those dishes really good. Oh, wow. You put those plates in the perfect place. I would have never put those there. That's a different Sometimes. answer, Phyllis. Hi, right, Phyllis. Just saying. My husband, I love it when my husband does the dishes. I know this may frustrate the crud out of other people, but my husband plays a game of hide and go seek with me because when he unloads, the dishwasher and he pushed dishes away he puts them in places that of course i never would put them so it's always a scavenger hunt for me trying to figure out where stuff is you know because it's not like we're new at this he's mm -hmm. lived with me since we've been married <laughs> which we've been married for 10 years now mm -hmm. so you would think that he knows where i put the plates or the spoons or the tupperware mm -hmm. but i'm just i don't know i just i find it funny how his perspective is always different mm. um he also finds joy in washing the dishes since he can't go out and mow the lawn so for a friend who is maybe listening um if you really enjoy mowing the lawn and you can't i suggest maybe busting some suds all right <laughs> that's some that's some good advice um but ways that my my spouse can support me for me my top number one thing is communication yes if we are not on the same page we need to get on the same page that's right communication is a key because mm -hmm. if the communication breaks down within your relationship your relationship will crumble mm -hmm. um yes we are different we view things differently but unless we communicate how can we come to some sort of agreement on like the littlest things such as put all of the spoons where the spoons go 
not I, the spoons with the forks. <laughs> I hear a common theme, Phyllis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just using that analogy because he lo- like literally loves Washington and I find it hilarious. Uh, he does a good job though. He does. Um, so, I mean, like definitely communication, um, not just communication, but to pray with me. You can pray for somebody all day long, but you need to be able to come alongside your spouse. Babe, let me hold your hands. Let me lay my hands on you. Let me pray for you. Because in those moments of my frustrations, of my happiness, my whatever my emotional state is at the time, when my husband comes and he grabs my hands and he prays for me, it does something. Mm-hmm. to touch and agree and to you know lay our burdens and our cares before God together because we are a unit um having him to continue to date me just because you put a ring on it don't mean mm-hmm. that I still don't want to be dated that's right. doesn't mean that I still don't want to be pursued I'm going to continue to pursue you granted we have children and sometimes the relation ship schedules and routines um change but we always find a way to date one another and for me i will label something as a date just because all right babe meet me in the living room we're gonna watch this show together that's a date Mm -hmm. we both end up in the kitchen together he's eating something i'm eating something Oh, babe, you take me to the best places. It's it's great just having a bite to eat with you. I mean, like having fun, enjoying, you know, those little things that we did even before we got married. Mm-hmm. So you just need to you have married, a, you gotta continue to do that. You need to have a where the pots and pans and colanders go date, Phyllis. Mm. Oh man. You haven't oh. had that date. Well, see, it's not just him, though. We have children that also like to help put away things. Mm. So we're in the, the stages of, um, this is back to one of the reasons why mother, uh, by why motherhood is hard is because with the foundations of how to do things right. comes <laughs> lots of being consistent and being a constant and instruction, holding people's hands to do stuff. Um, It can be annoying, but it has to be done. Mm. But the problem is that as soon as you let go of the hand, you have to give them room to show you that they know where things go or how to do things. Mm -hmm. But you also can't be frustrated because the job gets done. You ask for the job to get done because they didn't take the route that you wanted them to take. Mm. You can't be upset. You have to celebrate. Hey, they did a great job. I have not re- gone back to reorganize my pantry, my the cabinets, pots, pans, no nothing. Because I appreciate them trying. I appreciate them getting the job done. Is it the way that mom wants it? Not necessarily. But it's a help to me. It's a blessing to me. It's also funny to have a scavenger hunt. So, you know, mm. find the joy mm-hmm. in the frustration. So uh, a lot of what you guys are saying, I feel like is 
is just is like marriage relationship stuff. So that yeah. you would say that is the same. You have kids. It's still about having fun. Like you're saying, dating each other, communication. That mm-hmm. doesn't change. That's what you need to continue even after kids come into the picture. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I was what? cute before I had kids. I'm cute now. <laughs> Please date me. One one thing I would say is, uh, you know, with motherhood comes, uh, well, with womanhood, but especially with motherhood comes all kinds of crazy fluctuations in the emotions, right, ladies? So, yep. so when you're talking about wanting your your spouse to support you, um, I found it's very valuable to take a minute and step back and just figure out for myself what I actually want and need like for real Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of just instead of just uh impulsively blurting something out like like why can't you like why can't you help this or why can't you do that and which in reality is probably not real because that's just my emotions coming through um so communication is key and uh yeah you know just 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 talk for us you know for my relationship we're both firstborns so we're both control freaks and uh and we're both a little uh ocd um (laughs) so so we just need to talk everything out and make sure we have systems for everything because that is how we operate the best like here's what you're doing here's what I'm doing here's how we're going to do it and then there's no issue um you know and communication and compromise and knowing what you want what you really really want before you (laughs) blurt it before you just blurt out anything or what you really need (laughs) there was one last thing that one little nugget of just some random phyllis you know that i wanted to just throw out there um in this instance i want but my husband supports me the another way that he supports me the most is when he continues to blow oxygen into the fire to keep my flame going from keeping to keep my flame from going out on my um the things that i desire my hopes my dreams mm. um so anything in relations to my art whether he likes it or not he's supporting me so just because your spouse's passion is not yours it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take interest in something that your loved one does and try to help to inspire them, to push them to not let their flame go out. Mm. Sure, my husband is a pastor. I pray with him. I throw books at him. All kinds of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't matter what field your spouse is in. Mm. Find something to, you know, to try to understand their passion that's really good and i think again of your analogy back about um there's the mom uh the self and the wife and like maybe so as a spouse you want to be supporting like as a mom and stuff but also as a wife or as a spouse like you're saying like hey uh or, or as a um as yourself like if you have a passion for art that's besides being my wife or being the mother of my kids, that's just you. And so let me support you and push you that way too. That's really cool. Um, all right. So 
I, I had one more question I wanted to ask you guys. Um, a little more serious, but you know, I know we're hitting, we're getting closer to time. But this was this was a question I had based off Pastor Jeff's sermon, and um, he said how um, Mrs. Zebedee in the sermon had high expectations for her kids, and that's that's a good thing. He said sometimes in church our expectations are too low, we settle. But then he said he had some a, a word of caution, like, hey, sometimes we need to make sure we have realistic expectations for our kids. So I wanted to ask you guys this, you know, what's your advice for navigating that tension, the tension between pushing your child to be the best they can be, but also setting realistic expectations for them. So, cause he said, he's, he said, I've seen parents who push their kids and their parents get frustrated, their kids get frustrated. So I just wanted to ask, you know, how do you navigate that tension? I'll just jump in real quick if that's okay. Cause I got to go to another meeting. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, you really need to, um, to realize that your children are different um, and not try to put all of your children into the same mold because every child learns differently, every child experiences things differently. So the expectations that you might have for one child, you can't necessarily put that on the other child. and rather than trying to fit them all in the same mold, you need to celebrate the things that make them different and allow them to flourish in those differences. And with that, I got to go. Bye. All right. See you later. That's a great answer. I think that you really, I'm speaking for myself. I think this piggybacks well off what Heather just said. You have to encourage your kids to be who they want to be mm -hmm. and not who you d dream of them being or you or who or your plans for them because it really is not a and I'm I'm not talking about like faith well I'm not talking about those things like of of course we all want them to walk in the faith and um to become mature believers who serve the Lord and the church and, and those kinds of things. But I mean more like you can't live your life through them. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to let them and encourage them to be the people who they want to become and not push your own things on them. And I actually have a good example of that. When Elizabeth is 10th grade now, when she was going into high school, um, Jackson, school district has five different academies that you can go to. They're within the, the normal um, school buildings, but they're basically tracks of learning that once they start as a freshman, um, they go through and they have some really great programs. And Elizabeth, you have to, um, you have to do an application. Uh, first, the STEM one, you have to take a test and pass it. Uh, for the Art Academy, you have to do a, a performance uh, for instrumental. And so when she was deciding, she, she knew she wanted to go to an academy. Uh, she, so she took the test for STEM. Um, she did everything for that. And she also applied for the Art Academy as an in, in instrumental. And I remember thinking, well, of course, like STEM would be like the number one. And so she got into STEM and I'm like, this is great, you know, and then she got into the art academy and I'm like, what are you going to do? And in my head, I'm thinking, of course, she's going to do STEM. Like she is 
very smart. Um, she, you know, she could, I know she would flourish in um, science and in math and all those kinds of areas. And so my thought was STEM. And so she said, I, I'm leaning towards the art academy. So I was kind of like, really? <laughs> like, but I, in that moment, uh, and, and in that time, I, I had the wherewithal, probably with Todd's help, um, to, to just not give my opinion. You know, this was one of the things I was talking about earlier, um, where as they become teenagers, you have to, you can't <clears throat> do everything for them. And so I stepped back and I just prayed that God would guide her and lead her into the thing that is right for her. Mm -hmm. And it was probably about a week later, she came and said, um, I think I want to do the art academy. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, great. And we went with art and didn't look back. And to be honest, she has found a niche in high school um, beyond marching band, marching band is, is, you know, a, a wonderful niche for her, but in just music within high school in a different way. And, um, yeah, so I think we can't, you know, I looked at her and thought, well, she's so smart. Of course she's going to do STEM, but here is something very different. And I have wondered, um, if, well, I haven't I've wondered, but I think it's actually true. I, I more than wonder. I think it's true that God is going to use these experiences she has had in her um, service to him someday. And I don't know how that's going to look, but um, she does volunteer every week with Children's Church and, mm -hmm. and has found a niche with the younger kids. And I just, want, I just wonder what pieces God's putting together um, that'll be the perfect thing for her as she grows up. But you know, it required me as a mom not to push my agenda mm -hmm. onto her. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm so glad I did it. So. Absolutely. That's really great. And that's a great example that you share. And like you said, God, God will use it. And that, that's just it. We, we have, I think of other areas of life too, we have what we think is the right answer or, okay, God, I want you to move. So you, you're going to move this way. And like you said, it's, that's part of what's tough about being a mom and a parent, but saying, okay, this is how I thought you would move God in my kid's life or whatever, but mm -hmm. allowing them to figure that out. And you, you are that guide for them mm -hmm. when they approach that age. That's really cool. Did you have any thoughts, uh, Pastor Bonnie or Phyllis? I don't know if you were going to say anything. Um, I just wanted to say um, just a few things that I had written down um, mm -hmm. was uh, number one, you have to, to embrace the frustration um, because when a kid doesn't want to do what you want them to do, it's going to be frustrating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and while you're embracing the frustration, you have to ask yourself, well, am I pushing my kid to do this for accolades or for some type of prestige? Am I pushing them to do this or this direction so that I can reap the benefits of mm -hmm you know, the, my child's blessings or their labor or their hard work. Um, is this really what my child wants to do or is this what I'm wanting them to do and they don't want to disappoint me? Mm -hmm. um, and asking God to help you to guide them. But the second thing that I wrote down was to 
You have to show the child love no matter what. Mm-hmm. You have to push the child according to their needs because like Heather said, every kid is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but in pushing them according to their needs, you have to allow for the child to push back because that opens up an opportunity for you to communicate. Mm-hmm. And if you are not communicating and praying with that child, then things are going to continue to be frustrating and it could go horribly wrong. So for me, these are the things that I'm actually doing with my kids. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Everything that you guys have said has been exactly what I was thinking and and along the lines of everything I was going to say. And the, the biggest piece I think for me is with, you know, expectations is you know there's there's things that we expect of our children that they should just do to be productive you know members of society um you know behavior and things like that you know and discipline and expectations along those lines that you know are important but again within those guidelines within those things you need to remember your children and who your children are and 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 that each child has a different personality. They have a different ability. Um, there might even be dip, deeper issues going on, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, th- things with their physical health or mental health that um, may um, hinder them from, you know, meeting your ideal expectations. And then, and you need to adjust for that. And you need to realize they are who they are. They are who God created them to be. And I want them to be the best that they can be for, for God. But I also don't want to put on them things that they can't handle. And I'm just basically setting them up for failure. That's a conversation that Joe and I have had multiple times. Like, you know, when we're talking about our expectations for both of our kids, like, okay, are we are we just setting them up for failure? Are we not guiding them through this enough? Um, You know, are we just saying, well, you're supposed to be doing this or that and not teaching them at the same time how to do what we want them to do and how to expect them to do? Are we not modeling that for them? Um, And I think too, like when I, when I thought of um, Mrs. Zebedee, you know, and, and her high expectations for her son and, and, and her motivation behind even asking the question of Jesus, you know, for them to sit at his right and his left. Again, like back to, I think you said, Stephanie, like what's, one of you said, what's your motivation behind your expectations for your kids? Is it, is it because we want the glory for what, what, what they want to do, for what they're doing? Like, I wonder if that was Mrs. Zebedee's motivation. Like, I want my son, I want to, I want to be able to tell the whole village, you know, at the watering hole every day that, you know, my sons are going to sit at the right hand and left hand of Jesus because, you know, my sons are the best, you know, and, and as moms, unfortunately, we, <laughs> we, we do that because we're so proud of our kids that we want to just sit and brag like, my child did this and well, and my child did that. And, and, and that's all well and great to be proud of your children for their accomplishments. Mm-hmm but why do you want them to, to do the things that you want them to do? Is it for your glory or is it because you know that encouraging them to do those things and having those expectations upon their lives will ultimately mold that, help mold them and shape them in who God wants them to be for his glory? 
I actually took a peek at um, uh, the only other place I saw like a definitive um, part of the same story being told in another gospel is in Mark. And I think what's interesting is in, in the gospel according to Mark, it records James and John asking Jesus the question. Um, of can I sit at at either side of your hand? And what I think is interesting about that is not that there's a, um, that it's, it's different. Oh, why is it different in each gospel? I don't think it's different. I think it's a perspective. I think James, John, and Mrs. Zebedee all asked the same question. And so when I looked at her, I looked at her not as like going in as a brash person trying to force, you know, being being on an overbearing mom but she went in with her sons to advocate for them mm, mm. um you know not yeah. to speak to whether she should have advocated for them to have those types of like positions in the kingdom mm-hmm. but well, the other thing oh go ahead Phil. i was just gonna say um because i was actually looking at one of my husband's commentaries about the passage um just a, another little random nugget um back in that time women or the mothers could ask the bold questions they could ask things whereas the men could not so for me I was just like well yeah her sons may have wanted to ask this question but without her being there without her speaking up uh, without them going back I'm gonna go tell my mama my mom was going to come and talk to Jesus, <laughs> you know? So for me, it, that brought more perspective in knowing that it wasn't that she was trying to be so brash, but during the time, that time, because again, you know, Pastor Jeff has said it, Pastor Matt has said it, Pastor Jamal has said it. I'm pretty sure Pastor Todd has said it. It's all about the context of the scripture. Mm-hmm. And if you're not looking at what the context is, if you're not looking at um where it's taking place the time period the the customs and the things going around it your perception could be completely off your interpretation can be completely off so instead of giving her a bad rap you know i i mean you know you gotta look at it from Mm -hmm. all the angles so yes steph you know she was there she also asked that question Mm -hmm. She was yeah. the backup. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then one other thing about her that I thought was interesting that I just want to throw out there as like a little biblical nugget maybe is in Matthew at the crucifixion, um, Matthew records, it says, um, I actually wrote it down. It said many women were watching from a distance. And then Matthew names three of the women. And one of those three was the mother of the Zebedee's sons. Mm. And I think that's interesting because this was not some random woman just busting in to um, get a, a, an opportunity to speak to Jesus. This was clearly someone who was committed um, to, I don't want to call it a movement, but committed to what Jesus was saying and doing and um his purpose. And even though her uh, understanding, like all of the disciples at the time was a little off to what Jesus was going to do. There's our phone. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, nonetheless, she was an integral part. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. What you guys uh, bring up. And I feel like that's how I've understood it in the Matthew passage. um, She asks Jesus, 
-hmm. but Jesus, I guess it depends on which translation, but in the NIV, I know, uh, he says to all three of them. So mm -hmm. it is, he, mm -hmm. they're like, right. Like you were saying, Phyllis, like I, it's like, the, yo, let's go come mom. Like mom will ask him. Like, like I kind of felt like that's in there mm -hmm. a little bit. And then he's like, he turns to all three of them. Well, you guys don't know what you're asking. And he, he's got to adjust their perspective, mm -hmm. but like, and that's why I, I think Pastor Jeff sermon was great about focusing on the, yeah, there was a mother's heart and, mm -hmm. and right. So okay. Well, this has been uh, really great, and uh, I'm saving this podcast for the future. I will be listening <laughs> to this. Got lots of great advice. Probably the biggest thing was the puke plan that really is going to be beneficial for me. Oh. I'm already thinking about which role I want. Well, that yeah. and when you first have the kids, when you have when you first go to the grocery store, and you come out the grocery store, what do you put in the car first? Your groceries or the kid? The kid. Always the kid. The kid. Right. The kid. <laughs> I'm just Depends saying. Depends on the, the age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you first have kids. So. Oh, yeah, can, yeah. can we throw out something? Since we're talking about the grocery store, can we throw something else out here? Also, when uh, Pastor Matt, so because now this doesn't apply really to, to the other, you know, the other ladies here right now. But when you go to the grocery store with your kid, if you go to a place where you have to put your cart back in order to get your quarterback, you need to always park right next to mm -hmm. that spot because then yep. you park next to it. Your child is safe and secure. You're not walking somewhere to get your quarterback. You just yeah. park it right there and then you're safe. These are, okay. it's a lot of stuff to, you can ask us when the time comes. Yes. We'll help oh, you little, st little stuff. Yeah. Just uh, yes those little thoughts you like you pick up on all right yeah this yeah. is all good for me so all right guys well it's been fun um yeah i think i think everyone's gonna enjoy listening to this love hearing all the perspective again all, all your kids too are at different stages too which is just really neat so to hear from all you guys but um it's been fun so yeah. uh thanks for having us yeah thanks yeah. for having this us awesome yeah, thanks for being on. And if you're listening, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.